It was Tuesday. I had a hole in my gut. Not from a forty-five slug. That was... That was last week. I don't need to tell you about that. No. This hole in my gut was from loneliness. I tried to fill it with bourbon, but that only burned the hole. Wider. Deeper. I looked through the greasy blinds of my office. Nobody on the rain-slick streets. Lit in sickly holiday colors from some half-dead chop suey neon. Then all at once, she walked in. She had an ineffable quality to her. Said her name was the 1947 Project Podcast number 12. Said she had some things to tell me that had happened the last couple of weeks. I said I was all ears. Well, I was all eyes anyway. Or at least something in my trousers. Which for now, for some reason, two sizes too small. Go ahead, doll, I lied. I'm all ears. Yes. And the important thing to remember (laughs) when you go to the 12th, 1947 Project podcast is that in podcast land, time doesn't really work the way it works anywhere else, and certainly not in 1947 land, so <laughs> that's right, ghosts. Now, what we, what we do here at 1947 Project, in addition to blogging criminal events of the past on the days it happened, is we just kind of loop around at the end of the year, and we start over. Yeah, some sort of cat spanner caught in the works. Yeah. Basically, our year year starts in March. So we're back at the beginning of 1927. We've blogged about nine months of 1927, and we're starting back up in January. We've had some wonderful stories already. Mm -hmm. And... um, you know, good to be back here with the gang. I, I've, I've missed your your dreamy Aww. little dewy eyes and faces and your wisecracks. And the dewy spots we leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a whole laundry basket full of that. That's right. So without any further ado, let's hear some stories from the last few weeks of our, our holiday season at the 1947 Project. 1927 Crime News. Let's start with good old Joan. You've got ah. a story about... Uh, Going to the store and buying libations. I do. Uh, January 7th, 1927, three young men decided to go out for an evening of drinking. Dennis, Walter, and Tex uh, went over to a store that they knew about on East 92nd Street, run by a couple of brothers. They picked up a couple of pints of rum, and then they went out to party. Don't know where they, where they went after they left the store, but by the next morning... One of the boys was very ill, another was in critical condition at his home, and Dennis was dead on someone's front lawn. And this is all because of poison booze. Now, it was very dangerous to drink during Prohibition because a lot of times bootleggers would take industrial ethyl alcohol Remove the label and put their own label on it. And I bet it was a beautiful <laughs> dancing girl with, with a, probably. a fabulous palm tree. <laughs> Absolutely. Or like yeah. a guy in a tuxedo and his top hat is askew and he's leaning against a lamppost lamp and there's the little, little bubbles coming off of it. Yeah, and so, uh, but I mean, it, it's just one of many sad stories about drinking during Prohibition. Lots of poison liquor floating around. But the part that got me the most was the fact that. This man, Wayne B. Wheeler of the Anti-Saloon League, um, at the beginning of 1927, Mm. there just had passed a law doubling the amount of poison 
that would be put into industrial ethyl alcohol. For the what, the poison wasn't working well enough? It was killing people, but apparently not quickly enough or something. Or they just way, were, maybe they weren't drinking enough. They may not have been drinking enough. This way, uh, approximately... You can't tell people to drink more, because no, that wouldn't can't. be very anti-saloon of you. No. These people and, were drinking in saloons. They were drinking on the street. They were drinking in their cars. They were drinking at parties. But anyway, the, yeah. the, the thing is, is that three drinks of this could easily, easily, easily cause permanent blindness if it didn't kill you. And Wayne's whole, <laughs> Wayne's whole notion was that, well, these people are doing something illegal anyway. God, can you so, imagine the last wow. thing you see so is a pink what? elephant and then the rest yeah, of your life black? just black. Well, the, like sort of the same thing. Yeah, the same thing kind of happened in the '60s. Hey, I resemble that remark. When they were when well, they were spraying malathion um, on the paraquat on on um, dope on marijuana in South America and in Mexico. Same kind of. Did thing. anybody go blind from that? I don't know that there were any fatalities or anything. Paraquat's dangerous. Well, you know, but... now because of America's problem with obesity, you know, we're putting broken glass into chocolate bars. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. I have to go vomit. <laughs> Are you kidding? They're probably charging $9 okay, for those well, at, the, at the cheese shop. Let me rephrase that. I'm putting broken glass in the chocolate bar. But that's not important. That's so, another story. Yeah, I remember that Halloween when you <laughs> made those crusades. That's right. Against childhood obesity. You made for the children. You made sesame balls for the kids out of birdseed and caro syrup. That was really I great. like the way you guys think. <laughs> This sounds like an industrious <laughs> little... To save the children. Yeah. What else can we put in candy? Yeah. Uh, save the children. If you can't yeah. discipline them, kill them. Now, spe- speaking of children, I know, Nathan, you have a story about, about family at this time of year. It's always well, so wonderful to get together. This, this is, it's, it's a warm story about, about family and the way we heal. And, 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 and we, we can all recover as families as one when there's difficulties and troubles. There's a place in Pasadena called Los Encinas. I know some of you in the future have heard perhaps of a, a Dr. Drew. You know, he has his own radio show there on the wireless. Um, Dr. Drew, the um, sort of, well, kind of an overbearing know-it-all. Uh, if you, <laughs> you've ever had to sit down with him in person. And I know you're out there, Pinchy. Yeah, and he's a lousy, lousy time. <laughs> in any event, but back in the past, before there was a Dr. Drew, there was a place called Los Encinas where Drew plies his trade to the Osbournes now, but back then, that's where W.C. Fields used to get locked up. True story. W.C. Fields would get locked up in this one bungalow, and his friends would come with bottles of gin, and they would stick a straw through the keyhole so that W.C. Fields would get down on it like this, and yeah, they would yeah, stick yeah. a straw through it, and he'd go... <laughs> anyway, wow. that, well, that eventually killed him. I'll, I can show friends. you the bungalow sometime. Wow. Not that I have an intimate knowledge of <clears throat> Lost and Cenas, but that's not important now. Have they filled up that keyhole? No. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't know. <clears throat> What's important is this. There was a very nice gentleman by the name of Francis E. Stevens, a very prominent Pasadena banker, first trust and savings bank of Pasadena, first national bank of Pasadena, Pasadena's War Finance Committee. You oh, know, man, you know this story's not going anywhere. When good. you know mm-hmm. that you're a prominent Pasadena and you know who you are, you just can't have a family that's, that's subpar. Would everyone agree to that? Sure. Yes. Well, he had a little son. He had a, well, first of all, he had a girl, and y'all don't just count. We know that. But yeah. fortunately he had a couple of boys. It's like the practice Yay! panty. <laughs> it's like the practice panty. Exactly. Somebody throw away. Now, first of all, there was, Geor- the there was, little, there was little Georgie, 14. Well, Georgie, Georgie had some sort of little brain problem. He was just a little slow. So basically, a girl. And so he had all of his, all of his hopes on his other son, little Francis E. Stevens Jr. His namesake for... Pete's sake, well, for Francis' sake, 
Well, he was doing just fine. Star pupil over there at University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. Well, drove his car into a tree. Uh, had a little brain damage. Ended up at Lawson Cenas. Apparently he was going to be there. He was a little slow. So Francis E. Stevens Sr. did the only thing he could do for family harmony. Well, he picked up little 14-year-old Georgie at school. They went off to the James Garfield School there in Pasadena. Drove him to the school. Parked outside the school. Was about to let him out of school and said, ah, eh, What's the point? Eh, yeah. Yeah. So drove him somewhere we know not where. Popped him in the head with his uh, with a 45. One right in the back of the head. Um, drove along, tootled off to Los Encinas. You can go there to this day where he took his other son. He went and he talked to the attendants. He went over to the one of the attendants, a gent by the name of Frank Schaefer, said, here's a package of stuff. Um, don't open this until I come back. So in theory, he would have never opened it because uh, he didn't come back. So if you ever go to Lawson Cenas, you can go there actually for, you can go online, you can look at all the AA meetings, OA meetings, SA meetings, ISA meetings, etc. They're all a lot of fun. Are these open to the public? Open to the public. Go over to the tennis courts, which are over by where they have the SA meetings. What is uh, that? Not, not Sturmabteilung. That's, that's yeah. different. It's <laughs> <laughs> not brown shirt meetings. That's uh, uh, um, uh, sex addicts. Again, I have no it's idea why I would know that. No. And, um, and go over to the tennis courts because that's where he took his uh, 20-year-old uh, namesake and popped him in the back of the head with the forty-five, and then put the gun in his own mouth, shot himself, crumpled there. And that was the end of the uh, male component of the Stevens family, December 8th, 1927. Mm. Thank you, Nathan. Oh, and, and the funniest part was, <laughs> it, was, it, was it was like some number of hours later, nobody realized what the, other, what the car was, that one last car in, in, the, uh, in the parking lot until they realized that it was, uh, it was his car after they cleaned up all the mess on the tennis courts until they realized all that blood oozing out over the fender and they're like, hey, there's a little kid in there. And all the attendants were like, darn, we just changed out of our dirty clothes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, they, they, they wear white and uh, they bleach easy. So that's the story of uh, of Lost and Cenas. Why you should go there and meet their ghosts. Well, thank you for sharing that. Why you're quite welcome. Seems a perfect time to um, introduce one of our new sponsors because we never have second tries. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a brand new sponsor today. Tell <laughs> surprise! I met Doctor Gontar at Lost and Cenas, in fact, and uh, I I I mean nowhere near Lost and Cenas, of course. I was merely there on a fact-finding mission for this story, and um, and he wanted to tell me about. Dr. Gontar's Hydrovac, and this is what he said. The science of modernity has proven that modern science has shown your falling hair to be connected to your sluggish bowels. Dr. Gontar's Hydrovac draws stoppages from your clogged midsection straight up to nourish your dormant hair follicles. Yes, you need not be unnecessarily bald, nor should you take a laxative to do away with the dull sluggish feeling of constipation. Dr. Gontar's Hydrovac draws the rich, nourishing alkalinity of your stoppid colon to the surface of your scalp for invigorating invigoration. The science of modernity has triumphed again. Similar machines have sold to kings, dictators, and other heads of state for over $30. Through this special triumph of modern science, we can offer you this for only five easy payments of $7. Dr. Gontar's Hydrovac, 2601 Glen Oaks Boulevard in Glendale. Fabulous product. I'm, I'm in line to get one today. I've been using it for years. <laughs> Couldn't yes. you tell? It's good enough for a dictator. <laughs> yeah, Why do you think my eyes are brown? <laughs> I knew that. Our, our next story is the Battle of East 71st Street. I love the Battle of East 71st Street. 
to follow up on Joan's South Central story, this is a South Central story down on County Land. Uh, East 71st, just to the east of Hooper Avenue. Perhaps you've been down there. On this wonderful day of January 3rd, 1927, something strange was happening. There were workmen all along the street. They were digging holes. They had trucks. Always a bad sign. They were clearly in, in the grip of some enormous delusion that they were about to lay power lines down the center of this lovely little street of bungalows. Mm. Well, the ladies of the street were mortified. Of course, they were all home. None of them worked. They peeked out the window. They, they called each other on the phone. They spoke over their back fences. And before you knew it, every woman of East 71st Street was outside, up in arms, and ready to kick some... Kick some worker city ass. ass. Yeah. Um, they planted themselves on these little spots where they intended, the gentlemen intended, to put their electrical wiring up in their pole fashion, and they refused to move. They took turns so that everybody got over to feed their little children, and they scared these fellows off. They certainly did. Uh, they also involved the city, and they had a, an actual inquiry made to determine if it was legal, what these gentlemen were proposing to do, and it was not. Ooh. They did not have permission to de-beautify this lovely street, and so they were stopped. Um, the next day, a spokesman for the work crew said, the women not only won, they routed us all together. There'll be six feet of ice at 6th and Broadway before some of our men venture on 71st Street again. Someone clearly had been enjoying the Christmas displays. Yeah. Um, we ceased operations because we're not putting up any poles or lines on any street where the people object to them, and nothing will be done unless we can come to some agreement with the women. Needless to say, if you go down to East 71st Street today, you will find there are no high-tension wires down that block. Some very good work um, by Mrs. Bottomley, Mrs. Dawson, Mr. Schnell, Mrs. Klein, Mrs. Orr, age 82, Mrs. Grubbs, Mrs. McIntyre, Mrs. Robertson, Mrs. Jackson, and Mrs. Dixon with an X. <laughs> so you can thank them. Thank you, sister. Thank you. Oh, sisters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sister. It's powerful. Fight the power. I could, and there's so much, yeah, there's so much I could do with Mrs. Bottomley and men coming to insert poles, but I just want Why would you want to start do that? now. That, yeah, everything wasn't... Do you think Gloria Molina's going to be down in Vernon when they try and put in that, that 90 million megawatt plant and do the same thing? Yeah, maybe. Maybe? Yeah. Now that people are like living downtown, and she's like, "Oh no, what about Vernon? Oh no!" Hey, the sense of Vernon. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna start it's a perfume that, line, that, actually. That, that people have only just suddenly discovered <laughs> Vernon existed. <laughs> now that like you're um, not supposed to know. Now that condos are you know half a million dollars, and, and like you know oh, Fifth and God. San Pedro. Anyway, I'm sorry. Don't give me. Personally, started. I want to live inside the uh, hollowed out corpse of a pig. <laughs> If I had a dollar for every time I could say that. <laughs> that's not important. What's that? Well, I thought we'd go from a story where, where sisterhood was powerful to a story where uh, a sister really took it on the chin. This is a, a discovery of Mary's, and she really did a great deal of work. Yes. Oh, to thank dig, you. Dig this one out. I this, was a, this is a great one. The, the sack murder of San Fernando. Mm. Um, at first, I was looking at the story. I thought it was just a story of a... I mean, not just a story. I mean, every... Death is awful. Every death but is I thought it—I thought it wasn't going to have any. Story wasn't going to have any legs. I mean, it was a, a vagrant found. <laughs> <in> the, <laughs> like the Marion Park never mind. Leave her alone. <laughs> and um, but what happened was um, on December twenty-sixth, a woman was found in San Fernando. Her hands were um, bound to her chest with twine. Her feet were tied to her back. She was wrapped in a canvas sack. 
Oh, and um, she she was dead. The thing is, they discovered she'd been hit in the head, but the blow was not hard enough to kill her. So actually, when they oh. threw her out in the field, she would have just died of exposure. And she'd been laying there for about 24 hours before she was found. And uh, when so they, you're saying this happened on Christmas? Yeah, happened so on Christmas. Someone's oh. wrapping got a little out yeah. of control there. And the way they described her, that you could just tell the newspapers just expected her to be a vagrant. They described her wearing cheap cotton underwear and having false upper teeth and a scar. And they said that she'd been drinking when she was killed. And oh, what a her, bad sight that must have been. <laughs> it took her body um, four days to be identified. And when uh, she was it's identified, getting worse. She was revealed to be Amelia Appleby, the widow of a Chicago inventor worth um, about a million dollars. She'd been his fourth wife, and when he died, she inherited his estate, moved to California, um, was much hated by his family, and was much hated by her Los Angeles neighbors, who described her as a troublemaker and an eccentric. And um, She just Ooh. missed her husband! I know! <laughs> a chick with a story. Yeah. <laughs> Crimebo likes women with a yeah. cast. Yes, I do. Maybe a little bit of a gold digger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who knows? But um, she did have one friend in the neighborhood who went to police and said, uh, there's a guy you might want to check out, um, this doctor. Uh, another one of these doctors. Usually they prey on Pasadena widows, but um, this one's in Mid-City. Um, Dr. Hey, you Charles know what? Phony McMillan. doctors can't be picky. Especially the depression's coming. Things aren't what they were once. They do know how to smell out a rich widow, though. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> From a mile away. <laughs> Downwind. The cotton panties, I think. <laughs> no. Maybe oh. not. Sorry. That's how you preserve that estate. You know, you save your money. In that case, I'm smelling a lot of rich <laughs> Anyhow, while she was alive, Amelia Appleby had confided to a friend that she feared, <coughs> excuse me, that the fake doctor was going to kill her if she didn't agree to marry him. <gasps> So the police went to his apartment at 531 Southwestern Avenue. A doctor that lives in an apartment? (laughs) On Western. And uh, they found him poring over a stack of Applebee's papers. And they searched his apartment and they found all of her jewelry. And they found two versions of her will. One which, of course, left all the money to him. Another that left it all to this phantom daughter that she'd never had. Uh, They also found a bloodstained jacket. Um, he never confessed to the crime. He, you know, staunchly, you know, proclaimed his innocence. But uh, the circumstantial evidence was strong enough that he was convicted and um, put away for life on February twenty fourth, nineteen twenty eight. Ah, uh, they the wrapped him up murder. quick back then. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know this was so. Yeah, I couldn't believe how quickly this one got wrapped up. But, but see, it's it's better because people's attention span is so short. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine what fun it would be as a juror to be called in and, you know, the story you've just <laughs> oh, been talking yes. about, suddenly you're deciding whether he's going to die or yeah. not. <laughs> what a delight. It's not like that anymore. No. 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 Sack murder. <laughs> Band name. Thanks, Mary. Oh, I, I believe we have another now. sponsor this week. We do. I, I was trying to scare up seven, eight, ten, twelve sponsors for, for this one, unfortunately. Oh. We, we I don't know why. One, you know, take your time. But but they're they're a good bunch, and I think we can all learn a lot from them. So we recorded this uh, just today, and I want you all to listen and learn. Advance yourself. That's right. You too can advance yourself. Make money. Be the envy of your friends, or should we say, your former friends? 
cavort with the rich, spit on the poor, as the rich do, as you gallivant around in your personal gyrocopter. How do you do this? By advancing yourself. Learn a trade. Learn to do things previously thought impossible to learn by you, by mail. Send for information from us. Be popular. Meet girls. Crush others with impunity. Yes, educate thyself. See how easy it is? A variety of topical subjects. Donut lamination, weather vane maintenance, chicken rape, negro redistricting, parental burial, sewer moistening, fishmongering, glad handing, clam busting, millswain jaggering, dynamo demolition, raise Huguenots in your backyard. Yes, there are big profits to be had in Huguenots, a profitable, entertaining, a thriving business concern. Here's successful Huguenot farmer Joe Slamke. Oh, I set pens up all around my backyard, and these little buggers are practically sold before I can harvest the crop. I can buy them for $3 a dozen and get as high as 7 cents a pound during harvesting time. Try and get that sort of return from squab. Write us today for information regarding your new and rewarding future as a worthwhile human being. Technocratic College of Educational Advancement, Box J, Arcade Station, Los Angeles. Huguenots. Wow. I, I never thought of that. It, that was really inspiring. I, I, I think I want to do a chicken <laughs> I don't know. I can't say that with a straight face. You don't need to take a class. I don't think I'd actually be taking a class with a straight face either. I had to take the class. I'm tossing up feathers. <laughs> I had no idea. I mean, the, the Calvinist thing, I could... That was easy, but the chicken right. No. I don't know. How does one become a sewer moistener? <laughs> I can show you. You may already Really? <laughs> they asked me to teach that one. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Kim? Ladies and gentlemen, come with me, if you will, into the future. It's 2007, and there's some things going on that you should know about. January 20th, it's Pasadena's 31st Occasional Dude Parade. Yes, it's late this year. So what the hell do you want? Our, our dear friend, Her Highness Queen Mickey, is the queen of the Dude Parade. And in fact, we'll be visiting with her on Sunday as she um, christens the bus as we leave on the real Black Dahlia crime bus tour out of Romans. Go to Pasadena Dah Parade.info because they've got a really crummy website for more information. On January 25th at midnight, it's Plan 9 from Outer Space at the Vista Theater in... Hollywood, California. Oh. It's part of the So Bad It's Good Film Festival, and it features the newly late, very great Mela Nermi, Vampira. Yeah. It's the, the Queen of the Dead. Man, she had a rack. <laughs> you know, if you if you go on YouTube, there's, I think she's still. Let's uh, let's go see her now. If you go on YouTube, you can actually watch some some not that long ago footage, as one says if one isn't thinking straight, of uh, her talking about how she got her waist so darn small, and it is astonishingly small. Yes. She says she used meat tenderizer on her midsection, and she wrapped a rubber inner tube around it, and she actually ate away at her own flesh in order oh. to have that perfect waist. Ew, ew, ew! <laughs> Wait, do you mean ew, 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 or ooh? Even Crimebo thinks that's a bit, uh... Yeah. Out of the ordinary. Whoa, 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 whoa. Back up, back up. Did you say 
ate away at her own flesh. That's what she said. Just uh, exposed organs there? Or what? <laughs> I mean, well, I've never seen her naked of you. Uh, wow. Recently? Recently. I mean, this is what she said she did in the fifties to get that wonderful. Now, after the I mean, tubing was wrapped around, was there a mallet used to yeah. to tenderize? <laughs> sort of yeah. Or maybe a baseball bat, you know? <laughs> hey, Charles, go! Hey, go wild! I don't know. I'd, I'd ask Just James Dean. Just ignore my screams. Uh, <laughs> now she can ask him. Now she can ask James oh. Dean. Oh, do you think they'll be? Reunited in the afterlife, Jimmy and Malin and They're making avant-garde films together. Oh, it's so wonderful. And then the upcoming Esoteric bus mm. schedule. Saturday, the 19th, Blood and Dumplings in the San Gabriel Valley. Yeah. Saturday, the 26th, Weird West Adams. Very weird. Saturday, the 2nd of February, where the action was. Hollywood and West Hollywood Rock and Roll History Tour. Saturday, the 16th of February, Wild Wild West Side Crime Bus Tour. Brand new, full of cults and horrors and children being tortured. <laughs> Saturday, the 23rd of February, Rainer Bantam loves Los Angeles, the many downtowns, hosted mm-hmm. by my lovely husband, Richard Shave, and he's getting us in some places you will not believe. Mm-hmm. Saturday, March 1st, the Rainer Bantam architectural tour series continues with Route 66. It's Bantam's birthday weekend, and we mm-hmm. are going deep into old Route 66. Saturday, March 8th, another new tour, Raymond Chandler's Bay City. Yeah. West Side Tour. Sunday, March 9th, it's the anniversary of Charles Bukowski's death, and so it's Haunts of a Dirty Old Man, Charles Bukowski's L.A. Mm-hmm. Wrapping up on Saturday, March 15th, we're back at Romans again with Pasadena Confidential featuring Crime Bo the Clan. Yeah, that's right. Ooh. I might tag along on a few of the other tours, you know, just for the hell of it, but uh, yeah, that's my specialty. Yeah, always yeah. happy to have you, Crime Bo. So go to Esoturic.com if you want to get on the bus. We've got some great deals for regular passengers. Um... Crimebo, it's been a while. We haven't seen you. Yeah. We've been missing your philosophical ruminations more than you know. Well, yeah, thank you very much. I've had things to do all during the month of December, and that usually requires me to go to a bit, well, underground, you see. Because there's a lot of people out there looking for uh, me, and uh, it could be me, but it also might be somebody else. Hint, hint, wink, wink, what nudge, is he nudge. What <laughs> Anyway, I figured I'd start today and tell you about the things that I actually regret not being able to do last year. Oh. 2007 passed me by pretty quick, and well, there were certain things that I was planning on doing that, well, I didn't get to. I never got to eat Hungarian. She was a hottie. <laughs> But was able to wiggle out of my grasp. <laughs> I never got to that B of A heist. American bank my ass. Does that account come with chopsticks? <laughs> I never flushed that M1000 down City Hall's toilet. I really regret that one. It's not too late. My, US, my USO tour to uh, Iraqi Packy Turban Town <laughs> was canceled. Turns out uh, Marines get aroused by grease paint. <laughs> this year, I hope they train them to keep it in the tidy whities Because I didn't want, I want to go over there. There's a few rugs I want to pick out. <laughs> I never got posh spice with, a, with my ball. <laughs> what? It's a dream. I never got to beat a cop. Uh, poison and Enron 
Enron exec. I, I, I've been dreaming about that for years, but they're so damn slippery. It's getting away from me. I like Never. to grease them. What can I do? Ooh. Yeah, I chase them around the pool. <laughs> I never got to eat an endangered species. Pickle ahead. Slacker! Uh, I never got to spread the venereal, a venereal disease through Scientology Celebrity Center. I, I'm very upset about that. Or, I never got to pry stolen CIA cocaine from the clenched fist of a certain uh, commander in beef. <laughs> but most of all, I'm, I'm, I'm really disappointed. I, I never got to this one. Never did. I never got to my home for a discarded children scheme. <laughs> where I sell handmade with little hands Chanel bag knockoffs. <laughs> or what? <laughs> what a shame. Ah, the, the kickbacks from city social services. Ugh, I miss that. Gift I'm, cards. And I'm still crying on the inside about that, so... Mm. Well, I'm looking at a better 2008, and hopefully some of this uh, swag falls into Crimebo's grasp. Thank you. Well, we'll check oh, in with you later and see how your your, your New Year's going. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Crimebo. Good luck with that. I'll, uh, yeah. We su- we su- we're behind you. Yeah, we support orphans. Yeah. Yeah. Really? <laughs> well, you know, I'll, I'll talk to you about a little tiny internet thing that I've got going right now. And, Hopefully, uh, well, let's just say uh, free airline tickets if you pose to be a young girl of, like, 14. and It works out quite well. Saw it in a movie. Thanks, Crimebo. Hey, kids, I think that brings us to the end of, can you believe it, our 12th podcast. That means the next wow. one's a baker's dozen. That's right. So we're going to have Ooh, a lot of baked podcast. goods. Yes. We'll be mm. talking through our muffins. Crimebo's looking at a fun time there. <laughs> Tune Time's in next over. time, and thanks so much for listening. It's always a pleasure and never a chore <laughs> here in the place where we don't know what the hell year it is. Toodaloo. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Bye.